Here's the thing. People die. I have a dead sister. Did that make you feel a little uncomfortable? If you haven't been touched by the life-altering, heart-stopping, crumpled up on the floor, screaming and pleading for it not to be real moment, then you're a lucky one and just know that I'm jealous. If you've never walked into a room and know by the look in someone's eye that a person you love is dead now or felt your heart in your throat over more than one missed call, you're lucky. I hope that luck continues to follow you in the similar fashion that death has continued to follow me around, killing off the people I love, and I hope that you enjoy our stories. If you know that feeling I'm talking about, if you've kneeled next to a deep brown box and said a final farewell to a cold, stiff, too-much-makeup-wearing dead body, and then were somehow forced to just go back to your life, I hope you find comfort in these stories knowing that you aren't alone. And ultimately, no matter who you are, I hope you listen, and I hope you don't get weird about it. Welcome to the first ever official episode of the Don't Get Weird About It podcast. For my first interview, I have my cousin Tony here. Hello. (laughs) So before we get into it, Tony, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about who you are? Oh boy. Um, I'm, as she said, I'm Emily's cousin. Uh, I'm 41 years old. I have a nine-year-old daughter. Was married at one time, now divorced. Um, I had two sisters uh, growing up, and I have three older half-brothers. Those are from my dad's first marriage, and then obviously my mom. My mom and my dad been together for 42 years. And I think the reason I'm on here is because, let me count through the years here, Um, 11 years ago, no, 12 years ago, um, my sister Nicole was killed in a car accident. And we share, unfortunately, that in common. Correct. So you touched on one of the reasons why you're my first interview. Um, A few other reasons. Um, I think you're the first person after my experience with my sister dying um, to have someone die in that fashion in my life. Um, So immediately following, or a few years after my sister died, your sister died in a eerily similar way I guess you could say yep um and then a second reason although we're however many years apart 11 no mm, like 15, 15. I think. <laughs> good math <laughs> little off um, uh we're pretty close yeah I and guess. um you think so so I thought this would be an easy way to ease into my podcast Um, And then ultimately, I think we have a very similar outlook on death and dealing with it and the BS that comes with that. So I thought this would be a good conversation to have. I would agree with that. I think sarcasm, gallows humor, inappropriate humor, always to help get you through. And then, of course, you know, be serious if you have to. Right. Um, But yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to... Be here, and I don't know, Siri just heard something. Um, happy to be here, and I look forward to doing this. So, I hope it lives I, up to your expectations. Uh, death joke. <laughs> uh, okay, great. So, before we get into the depths of 
despair and the depths of... <laughs> well, you didn't tell me it was going to be weird, man. I thought this was called Don't Get Weird About It. <laughs> Before we really get into the details, um, what was your first experience in life with death? Oh, boy. I The first I actually remember of it was I was probably like seven or eight years old, I'd have to look at a calendar and figure out in terms of what year it was exactly how old I was, but I was relatively young and it was, we were living in um, the city of Flint in an old, a home that we haven't lived in in, or that my parents haven't lived in in probably 35 years now, uh, maybe 30. And down the street, there was a young family and they had a couple of kids one of the girls was about my age or my sister's, one of my sister's ages, and they had an a infant. I think she was about two years old, and she got cancer. I think it was leukemia and died. And so at a pretty young age, we went to the funeral home, and I just remember being at the funeral home, being a little tiny casket and a little baby. And at that age, you don't really know exactly what that means you just know that people are upset and they're sad right and um you know i remember talking to the mom seems like seems precocious i guess now but i just remember saying you know trying to comfort her because you don't know what to say in those times um you know i just take comfort that she's in a better place and and uh you know hopefully you'll see her again one day but i mean you're seven or eight years old it's pretty it's pretty odd to see a little infant in a casket so that probably had something to do with my general fear of death over the years Um, and then another kind of like really visceral experience with death was I was in I think it was fourth grade and my best friend Jason Hagen was his name he had kind of like a heart defect when he was born and one day I I was homesick from school and my sisters came home that day off the bus and they came like running in and they were like oh my like did you hear Jason Hagen died at the bus stop on this morning and I was like I was like what and you know I've like lost it and being that was about the age where I you know and I think scientifically you'll see that that's around the age when you kind of really process what death is, the finality of it. Um, In fourth grade? Like, probably like 10 or 11 years old, I think, is is at least what I've read. Okay. Um, I'm not an expert. (laughs) But, um, and that really kind of damaged me. I spent a lot of time crying and wondering what that meant and why did I lose my best friend? And so that, you know, again, that, you know, I've always kind of had like this fear of death um, as I was growing up, and I'm sure that had quite a lot to do with it. That's interesting because I didn't know that. No matter how much we talk <laughs> about this stuff, um, I didn't know a that you had a fear of death because we're so used to it. Um, I you guess de- you deal with it enough, the fear I think eventually <laughs> goes away. I mean, I still don't want to die. Right. Um, <laughs> don't want anyone else I know and love to die, but got to put that out there. <laughs> you, you mature and you realize that it's unfortunately a part of life. Um, right. And I hesitate to say unfortunately, because death is a natural part of life. Um, 
the living don't deal with it very well. It's 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 unfortunate, obviously, when it's somebody young uh, and they're taken right. tragically, or it's somebody whether they're young or old, they get a disease. You know, they get cancer and they and they kind of wither away and die. That's that's unfortunate. That's depressing. That's it's unfair. It brings a whole host of emotions into play: anger, you know, revenge, disbelief. Um, questioning of God and your faith and, and any number of things that we'll probably touch on here. So Right. So you said that it's, um, it's a natural part of life, but I feel like in the examples you've given and in the experience through our family, not many of the deaths have been natural. No, well, so I'm sure you're aware of this, but for those listening who aren't, the the you know our family the Daunt family there were fourteen children so my my dad is the third oldest and Emily's dad is the youngest of the fourteen there were eleven boys three girls and there were I believe it was three um, three of the younger generation so people like my age or Emily's age died before anybody from the first generation of the 14 died. There was our cousin Nick um, and, and Gina and Maria. Their sister um, was was murdered, um, tragically. And then a few months later is when your sister died. Right. And uh, right around Labor Day, 04. And then my sister died in November of 2007. And I don't think it was like 2013 before one of the 14 our uncle jerry died from from cancer i th- and i think we're still of the 14 four of four of the we're down um, quite a few have 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 died um jack and jim the two oldest have both died mike who is after my dad yep. has died and of course jerry who we just talked about and um since since Jerry's death, as we mentioned in 2013, there have been an additional three of our cousins die, all three of those from cancer. So we had yeah. Kay Ann, um, Adam, and Kevin. Who are brothers and Uncle Jerry's sons. Yes. They're leading the way on the dead siblings club, as we call it, because they've had two. So um, yay for them. Yeah, we're outnumbered now, though. Yeah, in terms of... By the Jerry Daunt kids. Yeah. So, speaking of the hashtag DSC, the Dead Siblings Club, um, kind of a running joke in our family that I think you and I started. Mm-hmm. Um, because we were a few of the founding members. Yeah. Um, do you want to explain what that's all about? Kind of explains itself, but well, if you have a dead, if you have a sibling and they're dead, you're in the club. Um, Welcome. It's low bar to entry. Um, we do not have an annual dues. There's no fees associated with it. Um, quite honestly, would prefer not to have any more people join the membership ranks. Yeah. But it's one of those things where, in a family like ours, where there are there are a lot of people, and that's a lot of people that have that are your kind of built-in friends. And the great thing about it is that as the years have progressed, 
we've continued to choose to be friends and be close. And so when you have a large number of people, there's going to be, at some point, a lot of death. Mm -hmm. And so it's one way for us to cope with it is, you know, oh, my sibling's dead. Oh, mine too. Oh, welcome to the DSC. And it's a way to, you know, when you're faced with an uncomfortable situation or an uncomfortable truth, I think a healthy way to deal with it is to laugh about it, to, right. to make a joke. And, and that helps. And I think that helps other people kind of get over the awkwardness, too, of like, how do we talk about this? Definitely. So if, if these people are so irreverent about it, well, then they obviously aren't going to be offended by a question I ask or, you know, or something I say to them about it. For sure. Yeah, you can. I think what we always say is you can either cry about it or you can laugh about it. And in general, we we try to laugh about it because um, it's a little ridiculous. And I'd rather, I mean, personally, I'd rather be laughing than sitting in a dark room crying about the claustrophobic tragedy that has happened in our well, lives. Absolutely. And, you know, it. I view it as another way of we're, we're remembering the people that we've lost. And, yeah, the, even to this day, and I'm sure you have the same experience, It, I could be in a completely f- fine mood. I'm having a great day, and I'm driving down the road in my car, and whether a song comes on or I just something overcomes me, I just, like, start to cry. Yeah. Sometimes it's, like, just kind of like a tear in the eye, and you're kind of like, oh, what, like, what the hell is that? Or like break down sobbing. And it, you, there's always going to be that grief. And there will always be things that make you think of that person. You think, gosh, I wish they were here. But if we can make jokes, if we can say things like, you know, like a Thanksgiving. Like, you know, is is Adam coming to Thanksgiving? They're yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That guy, he's what a dick. He hasn't been around in several years. And then, you know, one of us will pipe up and say, oh, I think he's hanging out with Nicole. And so... Right there, we're thinking of them, and I like to think that they're in heaven, you know, smiling down or laughing at the stupidity of how we're acting. Definitely. Yeah, and on the same note of that, five minutes later, we someone can be talking about how upset they are that that, that person's not there, or be shedding a tear, and then it turns into a joke five minutes later, and it's just this endless cycle, um, and I think that's how it has to be. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's. I think it's healthy. I think it's, and there are people who probably, if they were to come into a conversation like that or to hang around us at a bonfire or something, they go, "Oh God, these these people are morbid weirdos." Yeah. But it works for us, and I think whatever works for you is what you should go with. Definitely. Yeah, I've had to train my coworkers on the sarcasm and the jokes around it the dead people jokes, for lack of a better term. And um, I think I've trained them well enough where they can now see it in my eye when I'm about to do it. And they say, no, don't. And then (laughs) I do it anyway. Um, But, you know, people get used to it. So, and that's another situation. Don't get weird about it. Yeah. If, if If that's how people deal with it and cope with it, I think you should embrace that. And on the flip side, don't, you know, don't get weird if the person just kind of all of a sudden tears up or breaks down. It's and I, yeah, that's an awkward situation to be in. But um, when you're dealing with somebody who's lost someone close, especially you know the closer to the event you are, their emotions are raw, and 
if they're breaking down and crying and they're they're just looking for somebody to, to I mean literally just hug them like yeah. just be there and hug them you don't have to say anything you if just be there for them because I recall from my own situation at the funeral home and and you know following the funeral mass people would come up and they would you could tell they were struggling with what to say or they didn't know how to say it or they felt weird saying anything and all that I was paying attention to was the fact that that person had come to the funeral home or come to the funeral and to pay their respects either yeah. to me or my parents or my sister or my you know my deceased sister for whatever reason brought them there it was important to me and meaningful to me and whether they gave me a hug or said anything or I just happened to see them in the back of the room and I could tell they didn't want to say anything they just left I we realize you're there and we appreciate so. yeah that's that's what matters and I think too on that note is don't if you're in a situation where someone has just lost someone and you don't know what to say two things one you're never going to say the thing that's going to bring that person back to life so you're never going to say the right thing so there's that and also don't make the person who just lost someone have to validate your reaction to their loss like if i'm upset don't make me feel like i have to make you feel better that you're in my presence while i'm upset does that make sense yeah no like so yeah you're saying you come up to that person and they're visibly upset you don't have to as the visitor you don't have to feel like oh i need to say something that's going to make them feel better or make them laugh it's you just say what is comfortable to you yeah or don't or if you don't feel like saying anything and you just want to give them a hug. Again, the what what's important is that you're there and that people know that they can rely on you for help, for comfort. Um, and everybody has their own way of providing that. Right. Um, so kind of touching on the death of, of Nicole, your sister, um, part of this podcast is to talk about Details that I think a lot of people can be curious about when it comes to death um, and and not getting weird about it and, and being open about those details and comfortable talking about them. Do you want to share maybe for context a little bit about how your sister died um, and, and I guess just the events surrounding that before we sure. continue? So it was... It was a, I think it was a, like a Sunday evening into a Monday, if I recall correctly. And um, she, she was at her, her boss's home. They, she worked at a bar um, called Scooters. And they, you know, they worked the shift they closed things down and i think it was somebody's birthday and they went over to her to her her boss the owner's house and a group of them and uh they were you know you know i'm sure they were they had a fire and they were drinking and and he has some some property and they were a few of them decided to get in a jeep and just kind of drive around the property things that you know, i had done many times in my youth you know even having had been drinking, you know, making foolish decisions when, when you're young and, um, they, you know, they never left his property, but they hit a, they hit a tree stump 
and the Jeep tipped over and it was her, her boss, her boss's sister, her boss's girlfriend at the time and Nicole and of the four in the vehicle, she was the only one to die. Two of them were critically injured and the other, I believe it was his sister, um, walked away from the incident. But from what I understand, when the Jeep flipped, Nicole got pinned. Okay. And that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of like a gruesome thing to think of, but it's also, I, I at least for me, I wanted to know some of the details just because it helps it helps get rid of some of the questions of the unknown. And if you know the answer, your mind's not going to wander on what happened. I fully agree with that. And it, it again, it can be gruesome, um, but it helps to have that closure and that finality. And, you know, I, I honestly don't recall if she was pronounced dead at the scene or if it was when she got to the hospital. I just, I remember seeing in one of the news footage um, clips from from that evening because the, the the news was there you know it's something had happened somebody somehow the media was was alerted to it and um, they had footage of somebody being loaded into an ambulance and you could see in the background that they were giving that individual chest compression CPR and I just I remember the wow. first first time I saw that I was like God I wonder if that's my sister and so they not to interrupt, but they, the news came, because it was like, what, four it was in the morning super or something? early in the morning, yeah. So the news knew about it right when it happened and yeah, came out. because I, I remember there were, when, when the story was on the news a couple different times, there was footage associated with it, talking, you know, talking about where it happened and mentioning the fact that my sister had died and kind of gave her her obituary. And I just, I remember vividly that, that clip of somebody having CPR done on them. Um, you know, I I didn't see the body between from then until they, you know, we first got to see her at the funeral home. I don't, I don't know if my parents did. Um, I've never asked them that or if I did or, you know, if we talked about it at that time, it just kind of has lost, been lost in the, right. in the haze of everything at that time. Um, so you but, didn't see her until she was finished yeah and, made up and yeah. you know all, all of those things that they do to make you presentable um because I, you know it was a pretty traumatic injury and she was pinned and and died from the the injury she sustained there it must have been pretty you know pretty traumatic on the body and i just remember seeing her for the first time it was just it was so surreal and so just you know didn't it didn't seem like it was really her it was kind of like yeah. you know like this is just this is just like a wax facsimile of her like it's not really her but but it is and it, that that is always what's so weird about seeing a dead dead body to me and you know when you go to the funeral home is you're like whether it was you just saw that person a day ago or you just saw that person five years ago you're like this is their body, but they're not here anymore. Right. Like it's, the soul is gone. Yeah. And I don't know. It just, it was a very uncomfortable feeling at the time, but also comforting because she did, she did look good, I guess, you know, as good as you can right. look when you're dead. Um, <laughs> and, 
you know, it was an opportunity to see her one last time and, and see her looking beautiful and not have that image of her being mangled in a car accident as the final image. Not that that would be the case now, 12 years down the road, you know, think of any number of fond memories of seeing her and, and that's what you remember. But, um, at the time when you're fixated on the death, that's, you know, your mind wanders to bad, dark places. Definitely. Yeah. I remember thinking that my sister looked swollen mm-hmm. and that, and I was, you know, 11, so I didn't have much context for dead bodies, but, um, that, and then her hair was like, it was really weird. And I remember being like, this isn't what her hair looks like. Cause they like curled the ends and her hair was always straight. And I was just like, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, but there's definitely, I mean, not to sound grotesque, but there's definitely like a, a bloating factor yeah. to, to 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 bodies when after they've been drained of of life. It's mm-hmm. just it, they just look odd. But um, but if the you know if the body's in good enough shape and the funeral home you know has a good a good undertaker, I guess I don't know. <laughs> probably mortician. Mortician is probably a more <laughs> acceptable word. Um, usually they they do a good job. Um, but um, there was, I, I also remember maybe the second day of visitation that my uncle, one of my uncles came up to my uncle um, Bob, I have many uncle Bob's, but uncle Bob Klontz was his name. And he came up and he said, you know, he wanted to talk to me about it. He didn't really want to say anything to my parents because he just thought it would be an odd thing to say to them. He's like, yeah, it kind of looks like some of the makeup's wearing off oh. and she's looking a little bit, you know dead yeah like not good yeah and so we talked to the funeral home and they came in and touched her up and oh how'd they pull that off mid uh visitation i I don't remember i think they just waited until visitation was like shut down like for the day oh oh okay um i don't think they said everybody get out we gotta like freshen the body like then nothing like that happened um that'd have been cool though (laughs) can i watch um (laughs) So it, it's all just, there's so many things you don't ever think you're going to be dealing with that in the blink of an eye, it's, it's your new reality. Yeah. Of, you know, that Sunday night when I went to bed, in no way did I think that the next day I would be waking up to the news that my sister had died in a car accident and the next week, two weeks of my life would be a complete haze blur numbness um but also that it, it changed i mean changes the trajectory of your life right so. there's a before and an after yeah so speaking of waking up to find out your sister is in a car accident uh how did you find out oh interesting story um so i was i'd spent the night at my f- then fiance um we actually got married a month later. Right. Was that was my it, next that, point yeah. to touch on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll save it then. Um, it, you know, I said, stayed at Amy's place and we, for whatever reason, we were both playing hooky from work that day, or at least for the morning. Oh. Um, and like, I, she, I think she had had a wedding shower. Yeah. She had, Amy had had a wedding shower the day before. And that was, I, that was another backtracking a little bit. I had gone out to a 
a friend's house or one of the brothers-in-law's homes. And, you know, we dinked around. I think we shot a rifle or something like that. And as we were going back to DeWitt, to Amy's, to help with the gifts, I, I remember seeing my mom and my two sisters, might have been somebody else in the car with them, like leaving the neighborhood as we were pulling in to where the baby shower or baby wedding shower had been. And I just remember seeing my sister, Nicole in the back, kind of like waving and then like giving me the finger or something kind of jokingly. Yeah. And so that, that technically the last time I ever saw my sister alive. And, you know, you think if we had left the friend's house three minutes earlier, would I have been able to see her and give her a hug or, tell her I love her or give her a kiss or you just but you weren't you weren't meant to leave three minutes earlier for whatever reason um yeah you could do that all day yeah bartering yeah it's it's it it won't change a thing to dwell on it um but so anyway so going back to the to the to the story we I woke up and I had a missed call or two from your dad and so which nowadays would send any of us into yes. a panic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> missed calls are not a, not our friend. Um, and so I called him and said, "Yeah, what's up?" He said, "What are you doing right now?" I said, "Oh, I was. We're just kind of hanging around. We're going to take the morning off." And he's like, "Well, why? I've got. At the, I'm at our old house and need need you to help me move a couple things." And I was like, "Oh, okay." I'll, all right, I'll be out there in a little bit. So I pussed around, got ready, headed that way out to Perry from DeWitt. And I stopped somewhere and got some McDonald's for like, you know, breakfast sandwich or something. And your dad called me again. And I was like, hey, what's up? And he said, oh, just, you know, are you coming like right now? And I was like, yeah, I'm on my way. Back is, off. Is there, is there like a, a hurry or something? He said, no, I'm just, have you talked to anybody? And I was like, nope. Yeah, that would be like dangerous. Again, yeah, the the point being, he you know they wanted me in a controlled environment when they told me this, and so I get to his, I get to your old house, and you know I, at first I'm thinking, you know, because he he's like, well, there's some stuff down in the basement, and so we go down there and I see a couple of chairs metal folding chairs in the middle of the basically empty basement and i was like oh i started thinking oh he's gonna like get weird with me like he's a little bit, like he was he was cleaning something out and he saw something from ann and like he wants to talk to me about it and oh. so i was like oh this is gonna be awkward and weird you're gonna get weird about <laughs> it <laughs> good point and so he's, he's like have a seat and i was like okay he's like he's like um your dad called, and right at that point, I knew something had happened. Mm-hmm. And I, I, in my first thought was my mom's. My mom had died because he said your dad called. Right. If he had said your mom called, I would have thought my dad's the opposite because they're your parents. And although that would have been a shock, they weren't sick or anything like that. It wouldn't be like completely unheard of or right. not not would have been something you at least could somewhat be like oh well shit and, and so, how old were you at the time 
this was 12 years ago, so I would have been 29. Okay. And he said there was an accident last night, and Nicole, your sister Nicole, was involved, and, and she's dead. And I just kind of like, what? Like, the f*** are you talking about? And in a kind of state of like shock, anger, not sure exactly what it was, I stood up and picked up the folding chair I was sitting in and like smashed it on the ground. And then he basically grabbed a hold of me and hugged me and like calmed me down, kept me from breaking everything in the room. Right. And from there, it was just kind of like, I don't want to say a blur because I remember, I remember he took me to the golf course where he and I play a lot and we walked around the golf course and, you know, the point he wanted me to kind of like get my wits about me. And, um, he told me that he, when Ann died, that he like golf saved, helped save his life. Because he went out and would golf and was able to be like, you know, with his thoughts and, and he thought it would help me to be on the golf course, which it did. And then he, I think it was him, drove, yeah, he drove me, um, to my mom and dad's house in Flint. And then I had to call Amy and tell her what had happened. And she was in. Oh, right. Cause she didn't know. She didn't know. And she was, um. She was in the mall, I think, when I called her. And she was, like, alone in the mall. And I felt, like, I felt terrible because I was telling her that her soon-to-be sister-in-law was had just died in a car accident a month before our wedding. Right. And she was alone in a in a mall and you know, broke down. And I'm, I was, but I, I didn't know what else to do. Right. I, I have to tell her somehow. You don't want them to find out from someone right. else or because Facebook was a thing. Uh, it was 2007, so it was I, MySpace, MySpace was more of a thing. Um, and coincidentally, you talk about that. One of our, I believe, I think it was my niece, Timothy, found out about her dying through MySpace. Oh, really? Yeah. And wow. Because you know, people hear about things and they post it, and then if you ha- you stumble across it, and that's just a really shitty way to find something like yeah. that out. And puts a shot clock on the whole thing. And so Amy ended up getting a ride and coming coming out to the house and then it was you know, your typical funeral stuff from there, family, crying, anger, lots of food. Yeah. More food than you know what to do with. Um and but ultimately love and compassion and memories that I still think of today fondly um oddly enough it seems weird to say that but you know the, the family coming together your friends coming together my my friends who f- flew in from disparate parts of the country to to be there for me all that means the world to you and and will stay with you forever yeah you prioritize getting together no matter that it's a work night or a whatever like those few weeks everyone really surrounds and and supports and that's that's nice and can be fun and all that do you think um your parents asked my dad to tell you because three or four years before that he had gone through it or do you think he was just the closest point of contact 
Because that, I mean, that's my... I guess I've never really thought of it, but I would... Putting putting today's lens on it, I would say probably a little bit of each of those that we... He was he was close, um, physically, like, you know, cl- closer than anybody in terms of, um, you know, family. Andy had been through it and would be capable of sharing that news in a way that would... Um, I don't make sense to me. And also right. they, you and your dad and I are really close too. Yeah. Um, been like, you know, close for 20 years now, at least 20 years. Yeah. And I think that was a, a key part of it too. That makes sense. I remember uh, my brother told me when I got home from school, Michelle called me. I was on my way home. Michelle called me, our cousin Michelle. And she goes, hey, what are you doing? I was like, I'm on my way home from school. What's up? I was a freshman. And uh, she was like, oh, have you, like, talked to your dad? I was like, no. What's up? She's like, oh, nothing. Just call me when you talk to your dad. I was like, okay. (laughs) And no real alarms went off at that time because we weren't so accustomed to it. Um, But then I got home. My brother got home and came into my room. and was like, hey, so you know our cousin Nicole? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, she, uh, she died in a car accident last night. Or something to that context. My brother told me. I was like, okay, we have to go to Flint now. And he was like, oh, you want to go out there? And I was like, obviously. I remember going and blah, blah. Um, but I remember we, we might have just gotten there or standing in the garage. And you came in. And you said, you looked at my brother and I. And you said, how do you guys deal with this every day? And that, like, broke me down. And then I turned I and that, tried yeah. to, like, run. Just because, like, when I get emotional, I get away from the situation physically. Um, and so I turned to just, like, walk away because I was upset. And my dad ran after me and was like, you can't go anywhere. Like, he didn't want me apparently walking in the street. But I think he just didn't <laughs> want me, like, upset. That like, is Flint. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's what I remember about about that. Um well, yeah, and the, it's it's funny too that we've talked, we've mentioned a couple times the issue of like either missed phone calls or people calling and saying what we now think are weird things yeah. to say. <laughs> but it's even you know even then it was just it was so shocking that this could happen to this family again. Yeah, That's, that a young um, a young kid, a young child would be killed in, in an automobile accident was like, how does this happen to this family? And in, in light of just a couple months before your sister dying in the yeah. car accident, our cousin Angie being, being freaking murdered. Yeah. Which I mean, is even, it's, it's, that's even more unfathomable. And now your dad and I have a running joke. You know, he'll call me and he'll send me a text like, what are you doing? I'll be like, I'm not helping you move. I know that. Right. (laughs) And so, you know, we're all, I think, on high alert when you have a missed call or a couple missed calls or or someone says, hey, have you talked to so-and-so? Like, are they dead? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Can I still? (laughs) So it just, it changes your outlook on, on life and... Sometimes for sometimes towards the negative, cynical, pessimistic, and sometimes to the to the 
kind of dark humor. Let's laugh it out. Right. Yeah. If my dad always said, if you're going to be a daunt, you got to be tough. And uh, life has proven that to be a little too true. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how old was Nicole? 27? She was 28. Okay. Yeah, 28. Because she was a, just like 15 months behind me and I was 29 coming close to 30. So she was 28. Yeah. Okay. Um, going back to uh, your wedding was roughly a month, less than a month. So by a few days after that. She, her accident was November, I believe she died November 12th, 2007. And our wedding was December 8th, 2007. So less than a month. And I think, you know, we had the usual discussions about, you know, should we, should we go forward with like... Usual sh- discussions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, everybody has it a month out from their wedding. Oh, somebody died. Should we still have the wedding or should we postpone it? And we ultimately decided that we shouldn't let that tragedy stand in the way of what was a a joyous occasion and uh, something that we were all excited to participate in, that she was excited to participate in. Yeah. Um, And, you know, again, ultimately... Went forward with it. Had had a couple different tributes to her um, through through the service. Um, you know, she was mentioned on the back of the program with a, a, a poem or a, a kind of a message that Amy and I wrote with a picture of me and Amy and Nicole from a concert that we had. The three of us had gone to very early on in me and Amy's relationship, and I remember. Nicole saying after that concert, when we were on our way home, saying that, you know, telling me and my mom that she's like, Amy's the one you're going to marry. I can just tell. Oh, wow. And so that photo always meant a lot, a lot to me. Um, and so, um, you know, it, there were tears, but there was also a, a lot of fun. And I think it, it, it was something, it was a, a great positive for all of us, not just me and Amy and my parents and my sister Courtney and and my brothers, to look forward to have like something positive to look forward to. But I think the entire family, that the entire greater family, the entire um, my my group of friends and, and everybody, having that to come together and celebrate something positive was a good healing, um, a good contributor to the healing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's a that's a whole different layer, a unique layer that could be added to the the plot if we ever. Yeah, whenever whenever I tell people about the the fact that my sister died in an auto accident, I, now I almost to like almost for like shock value, I go, oh, and it was also a month before my wedding. Like, oh my god, what? <laughs> like, so the ultimate yeah. one up. Yeah. Like, oh, it, well, it was a month for my wedding, so. But now, you know, so we got cousins like, "Oh, I've got two dead siblings." And like, "Well, you win." So Right. Right. <laughs> so, beyond uh having to plan, finish planning a wedding, have a wedding without your sister, um beyond that, what was the most difficult part afterwards about getting back to it? Um after that week or those two weeks are over and the world, you realize the world keeps spinning in a sense and people kind of go back to work and you're just left with this 
Hmm. craziness. And I know it's a while ago, so it's... That's a really deepish type question, and it, it it's tough to think back to then and, and really put yourself in that mindset that you were in. But probably a, some of it was what you just mentioned, the fact that like life keeps going, that... You're, 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 this, this sounds really, this can sound really horrible to people if you, if you, if you hear it the wrong way, but this'll be good. When, when you suffer a tragedy like that, you're like the focal point of everybody. Yeah. And you you have this attention, you have people taking care of you and, and wanting to be there for you. And then people we all have to go back to our lives and they, they go back to, you know, they go back to where they live and, you know, go to the other uh, rest, you know, Minnesota or wherever they live, or, or they just, you know, they go back to Perry and, and they start going back to work and you don't have that nest around you. Yeah. Um, and that's difficult um, because you're kind of out on your own figuring out, you've got more time to think about it. And another thing that I remember being very, um, strong in my mind was that and somewhat related to this was once all of the activity of the funeral goes away um, it's like well will people forget my sister yeah you know all the people who came to the funeral the people who came to visitation who knew her from from scooters or or other places she had worked and, you know, talked about how much they loved her and she was just the best and her sarcasm and her attitude and and she was just so, so great to be around. I remember thinking, yeah, but are you, like, are you going to remember her 15 years from now? Right. Because I will. Of course. My sister Courtney will. My brothers will. My parents will. But will you, random Joe yeah. from Scooters think about her yeah. and that for whatever reason that really was hard on me wondering and now I think I, I think I'm sure those people do think of her I mean they're probably just like any of us where out of the blue you can just be hit by a random thought about somebody that you haven't thought of in 10 years yeah um, but um, just lots of things like that of you know the getting back to the normal um, if there is a normal at that point. Right. Your new normal. Yep. Yeah. Um, on that note of people forgetting your person, uh, that you've lost, I think a lot of people are attracted to death. Um, sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad way, um, where like there was a lot of people I'd never seen before at my sister's visitation or things like that. Um, and especially like in my situation, like my sister was 15 and you think, okay, when these people become 25, are they even going to remember? And it's nice, you know, we just had the 15 year anniversary of Anne dying and with social media, I guess it is nice because you do see that outpouring of support and it's a nice reminder that this person who you're still dealing with this loss is remembered and loved and et cetera. Yeah, and I think when you say attracted to it, I, there's always, at least for me, there were 
people who who came to the the visitation of the funeral or or even at other funerals I've been to of of people that I care about it, it always seems to be like kind of like a, that person or a couple people who are they're like so vis like they're so over the top distraught about it you're like it's not about you yeah like and maybe they're genuine and and it's that's just how they they're weird about it <laughs> um <laughs> but it's there is some of that. You're like, are they are they here just because like they they want some attention because of how upset they are, or are they here because they're here for us? Yeah. Um, but that's not something I dwell on. But you bring it up, and it is, I guess, for those listening to this and, and thinking about this, that that's a normal thought to have. Yeah. You, know, you shouldn't feel bad about it. Yeah. If you're like, oh, you know. There's Aunt Patty, you know, she's <laughs> acting a fool. Um, and for the record, our Aunt Patty didn't act a fool. I just yeah, was using that Patty. name. <laughs> I can't really come up with a name that wouldn't be someone in the family. Um, yeah, and maybe that comes from my being 11 years old and being seeing that through that lens of, well, you didn't really know her, you know, and that immaturity and that youngness too. So kind of before we get into my other few questions before we wrap up, a subject that might be difficult is, so flash forward 12 years later, you now have a nine-year-old child, Delaney. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a difficulty, a difficulty I don't yet understand because I don't have children in, in having to teach your child about this person or a, a different layer of grief because the person that you love most in life, your child, will no long like won't ever know this other person. Uh, t- yeah, to a degree. Um, when Delaney was born, we when I remember we you know brought her home from the from the hospital, and down in the basement of her house, we there you know and. In the place where I live now, kind of the same setup, a little table with a couple angels and a candle from her funeral and um, some family pictures, kind of like, like, I guess, a shrine, for lack of a better word, Um, or, you know, a a remembrance zone, remembrance (laughs) corner. Um, This is our remembrance zone. (laughs) um, And I remember taking Delaney down there and just kind of standing there and she, she was an infant she had literally no idea what i was doing but i was like you know this is your aunt nicole and she was great and she would really she would love you and i just know you guys would have been great friends and like i com- like completely broke down um so i mean that's hard but but now and i we've done a good job of making sure that not just Delaney, but all the kids who, you know, my sister's kids, because Devin was the only one, my nephew Devin, who's 17 now, was the only one who was alive when Nicole was alive. And so he is very helpful in this, as is the rest of the family, in making sure that the little ones know who Nicole is, know Delaney. It's Delaney Nicole is her name. So obviously, she, you know, she'll ask, why is my name Nicole? And well, it's because it was your aunt and it was my sister and, and she died before you were born. And my niece, Coley. Yeah, that was my Obviously, that's a, a derivative of, of Nicole. 
And to this day, uh, we were just, Delaney and I were just camping a couple weekends ago, just the two of us, and we were sitting around the campfire, and the stars were really beautiful, and, and she looked up and saw the brightest star, and she's like, oh, there's Aunt Nicole's star. She's the brightest one in the sky. And so that's that's pretty awesome that at nine years old, she still will think of her without prompting. Yeah, without ever knowing her. Yeah. Yeah. And having a kid also brings in a deeper level of understanding of just how awful it must have been. Yeah. For my parents. Yeah, that's a that's a thing that I don't understand yet. You know, I can sympathize with it and try to understand, but not, that's not a, a link or a relationship that I'll understand until I have my own children. But in adulthood, I've been able to learn more about... Obviously, I saw my parents lose their child, but at 11, you don't understand what that means. Right. So um, it's been, a for me, a new layer of trying to understand um, that. And I can't imagine, but... so And both of our parents are still together. Yeah. Which is statistically, and as my principal told me in sixth grade, highly unlikely. <laughs> well, it's only a very comforting soul that individual was. <laughs> I know your sister's dead, but uh, your parents are probably going to get divorced now. Yeah, so. like that's literally what happened. Hope you like orphanages. <laughs> so that's fun. Um, a few more questions, if you don't mind. Um, Bring it. So I, you are a pretty faith-based person, mm-hmm. um, sometimes surprisingly, knowing your sense of humor I, and all I, that. I get that often. <laughs> um, like, I'll text you, hey, you want to grab lunch? And you're like, no, I'm going to Mass on, like, Tuesday. It's like, okay. Um, do you, did your, you were raised Catholic. Yep. Did your relationship with faith ever falter? Did it only make it stronger? Did it, did you have a dropout point for a while or a questioning i you know i think i've always anybody who's being honest about faith you know their faith regardless of what denomination or what what religion what religious faith you are they have a period or even ongoing questions you know kind of like is this real like yeah but ultimately when my sister died the thing i turned to was my faith and prayer and and comfort that she's with God, she's with Jesus. And maybe it's not kind of the whole, the way we envision of like just, you know, they're up on clouds, you know, laughing at all the silly things we do. We we don't know what it is. We we won't know till we're gone. Mm -hmm. Um, But to me, that was a big kind of like signifier that God is real that that my faith does is real that I have faith in something real because I turned to it in a my most you know desperate time of need of comfort and help and yeah there there were certainly questions there were you know doubts or there were you know was rage and hatred and I said lots of bad things 
to, to God and about God and to Jesus, you know, either vocally or in my head at that time, you know, you just ebbs and flows like all of your emotions at the time. Like how, how can you take my sister and, and, you know, thousands of, of criminals or, or yeah. you know, whatever bad example you want to come up with roam the streets. Uh, it's kind of like the whole thing, like, you know, why do little kids get cancer? It, it, you can't, we're not, it's not our place. It's not our, it's not what we're here for to, to know that. And that's frustrating. Yeah. Um, but I, my faith was a, a critical part of getting me through it. Through and through. Yeah. Yeah. Through, through the good and through the bad. And um, I, you just, again, I, just the fact that I was able to turn to it and, it, and I did receive grace and comfort and an ability to get through that situation was to me a testament of its of its reality well said i didn't Um, practice that either (laughs) he has notes in front of him (laughs) bull um what is the most uncomfortable moment you've had post losing someone which might be difficult for you to remember um but a moment Maybe not the most uncomfortable, but a significant uncomfortable moment where you wanted to say like, "Hey, it's fine. Don't don't get weird about it. It's just is what it is." For example, uh, anytime I meet a new person, and this came more through adulthood and going to college and starting a new job, when you get the, "Well, how many siblings do you have?" Because that's a normal question, mm-hmm. and then you say, "Okay, do I do I lie and just say <laughs> one?" Do, but then, and am I disservicing the dead person? Yep. Do I make this uncomfortable? Do, you know, what do I do? And typically I just kind of go for it now and say, well, I have a brother, but I also have a sister and she's dead. Yeah. And then I have to say, it's fine. It just is what it is. Um, but any moment that sticks out for you? I don't know if there's a specific moment that I can think of on the spot, but I think it's... It's very similar to what you've what you've just laid out, where having a an interaction with somebody, like you know, go on a date. Let's you know, I, I've there have had situations where I've been on a, on dates, and and that question comes up, and you're because like, you're no longer married, just for, yeah, <laughs> just for I, the listeners. <laughs> that's an excellent point. Yes, I am. I am. I've been divorced for four and a half years now. I think, or is it five? I think it's five. It was 2014? Yeah, so it's five. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, I've had a, a date or two, I guess, in those five years. <laughs> and so this is somebody new. And that question comes up. Oh, how many siblings do you have? And you're like, oh, how am I going to say this to them without them being weird? And, and on date one. Yeah, because <laughs> like, it's like it's a natural thing to talk about. And so I just say, well, you know, I have three three older half brothers from my dad's first marriage, and I have I had two younger sisters. Um, one of them unfortunately died in a in an automobile accident x number of years ago, and then they'll be like, oh, I'm so, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, it's okay. Like don't like you don't. It didn't just happen yesterday, right? <laughs> <laughs> like you you can ask me questions about it. Yeah. Um, and usually after you get past that initial awkwardness. Um, but there's, there still are people you tell that to and they just, they can't, like, they get weird about it. They can't yeah. get over it. Yeah. It's, you know, they they feel like they've ruined your day. Yeah. Um, 
Which isn't the case. Yeah, that's a good point. Or the people that just say something, like, really out of left field. You're like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, was it a drug overdose? Like, something like that? or I guess. I don't know. I don't want to get specific. Were they examples. murdered by a clown? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to give specific examples because this is going on to the internet. But yeah, yeah. good point. Um, so... I guess to close out, I think we could do this all night, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you have any advice for maybe someone listening who's going through it? That Not that we're experts, but we have a few notches on our belt. Unfortunately. Um, I, I guess embrace the feelings. Um, in, embrace the grief. Not to the point, obviously, of going down a, a tunnel, you know, a rabbit hole of, of despair and depression and, and pessimism and cynicism towards life forevermore. But you're going to be hit with any number of emotions and doubts and questions and angers and just take them head on and and address them and know that when when people tell you that they're there for you they generally they usually mean that yeah and so if somebody says i don't care what time it is you can call me for help take them up on that if you need to don't feel guilty that you're taking your friend or your family up on their offer to help you in this time of, of great need and, and sorrow because it they mean it because I've I've been on the flip side of yeah. of when when people die. If you need anything, let me know. If that person were to call me at three AM and say, I'm a wreck, I need you to go get me a shake at McDonald's, I would have done it for him. Yeah. And I wouldn't have ever held it against them. I may have down the road, you know, jokingly held it against them. Like, oh, remember that time you made me get up at three and like bring you a chocolate milkshake? Like, what was that about, weirdo? Um, but take people, take the help when it's offered to you. Yeah, that's good advice. And if you try to run from the grief, I promise you, it will catch up to you. Oh, absolutely. And it'll get, and it'll be way worse yep. than it needed to be. It's like it's like a, a little cut on your hand if you if you don't take care of it and it starts to fester and 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 get infected the the healing is going to be that much worse when you finally decide to deal with it. Well said. All right. On that note, uh, I think that sums this up. Thank you for being my first guest. Happy to be the guinea pig. Um, we'll s- let's hope this was recording. <laughs> I'm not doing it again if it wasn't. If you've made it this far, thank you for listening to the first episode of the Don't Get Weird About It podcast. I hope that you found it interesting, enjoyed the discussion, and uh, I hope you tune in next Friday for another episode. I'll see you then.